As we start today and come back, first of all, happy Mother's Day to those of your moms in this room. I know that to, like, these Mother's and Father's Day can be painful days for people. You know, if there's, there's loss that's associated with some of these holidays that we um, celebrate. So for, for those of you, if maybe today's a difficult day, just know that we can hold that together. And we all have one thing in common. We all needed a mother to bring us into this world. Imperfect and all things considered, so we can thank God for our mothers and um, how God created moms to be special people. So I wanted to say that. Today is week two in our series, A Church Called Tove. Here's the book that I am doing our series from. This is such a great book. I hope that if you can get it, um, please, please do. Next week, by the way, um, one of my covenant colleagues, Tim Sacconi, is going to be here preaching, and he's going to be talking about grace, which is the um, third component of a goodness culture in a church. Um, Tim currently is the director of youth ministries for the Evangelical Covenant Church, and he has been a colleague of mine for over 20 years. He used to be the youth pastor up in Forest Lake at Crossroads Covenant Church in Forest Lake, and then he moved to Kansas with his wife and their children, and then he is back based here in um, Woodbury, actually. Um, the pandemic altered the Covenant Church's offices and how they how they were located, so he and his family are back here in Minnesota. Next Sunday at this time, I will be officiating a wedding in West Glacier, Actually, I'll be on a plane at this time next week. I leave Chicago at 5 a.m. I don't like those early morning flights, but anyway, I'll have somebody to talk to. You guys heard about me. I like to talk to people on planes, so I have new friends to make next Sunday. I'll, I'll have to tell you about it the week after. Um, but anyway, Tim will be here preaching, and I'm really excited he gets to be here with you all next week as well. So let's pray as we start. Oh God, we thank and praise you for this day. Lord, we come to you as your children, we come to you as your people, and we know, Lord, that our identity, our value, and our worth come from you. Lord, as we think about what it means to create a culture of goodness and to be intentional about that, oh God, would you just be stirring in our hearts? Would you be helping us to embrace all the virtues and qualities that you want for us? Lord, I know that all of us have different personalities and temperaments, um, different ways that we are wired. And God, we all have a capacity to become more and more like you no matter how our, te our temperament or personality is. And so, Lord, in the areas of compassion and kindness and patience, gentleness, humility, Lord, if we are lacking in any of those areas, would you stir that up within us? Would you keep working, working us and molding us into your image and your likeness and in the ways that you are? so that we can represent you well, Lord, that we can love other people in the ways that you want us to, and, Lord, that we can draw other people to know you because we act like you. I just thank you for every, every woman here, Lord, that um, is a mother and represents also being a daughter, and for the men that are sons. And, Lord, we just thank you for our moms, and we pray that no matter where we find ourselves in the journey with our moms, God, that we can um, give thanks and, um, and acknowledge that to you. Thank you for this day, and as we come to your word, Lord, change us and make us more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we find ourselves in week two of a church called Tov, creating a culture of empathy and compassion. I want to show you a couple pictures, first of all, as we start today. Um, as I was reading this book, I don't know if you ever 
if you, I'm just going to confess something. I'm, I'm not like a crier, but I, when I started reading this chapter on empathy and I came to this story, I just, I just sobbed. I started to cry hard. I was in the bathtub reading and I was like, <laughs> and, and I thought, I have to like, my husband's going to be like, what is going on in there? There's loud crying from the bathroom. But the story just caught me and it's, it's a powerful story. Um, Scott McKnight talks about um, this story and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you because it's such a powerful story about what we can do as Christ followers when we see suffering in this world. And that is really what compassion is. It's when we see something that, um, that breaks our heart and we don't just be like, oh, that must stink for them, too bad. But we actually like, feel and we, we move towards. Um, so Scott writes, During the writing of this book, another horrific story of gun violence hit the news when a lone gunman shot and killed 22 people at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas. I'm sure we all remember that. Among the victims was Margie Record, a 63-year-old woman who was shopping for groceries as she did every Saturday. Margie and her husband, Antonio Basco, had no relatives and few friends in the El Paso, El Paso area. Margie's children from a previous marriage lived elsewhere. Alone and heartbroken, Basco brought flowers each day to a makeshift memorial outside the store, which I, I looked for the pictures and found them for you. He spent long hours there, often from morning until dark. Sometimes he returned at night and slept on the ground next to the memorial. Photographs showed Bosco's obvious distress as he slumped weeping at the loss of his wife, total anguish on his face. Bosco told Salvador Purchase, the funeral director, about his fears, his fear that he was now alone, his fear about not having a family because Margie was all he had, his fear that nobody would attend his wife's funeral. When Purchase shared a message on Facebook, this is where Facebook's a good thing, <laughs> along with the photo of Bosco at Margie's memorial site, it soon went viral. The message read, Mr. Antonio Bosco was married for 22 years to his wife, Margie Record. He had no other family. He welcomes anyone to attend his wife's services. Let's show him and his wife some El Paso love. Empathy went viral and compassion followed it. Tove goodness, blanketed El Paso. That just caught me. On the day of the visitation, this is such an incredible story. On the day of visitation, more than 3,000 people showed up. Thank you for like mirroring what I felt because I'm still like this, I read this, I've read this five times and I cry every time. 3,000 people showed up, some waiting hours to envelope Antonio Bosco. Show, yep, this is the service to wrap him up, hug him, share heartfelt condolence, and bring him gifts. At Margie's funeral, and she was the last of the 22 victims' funerals, Bosco entered a venue packed with 400 supporters. 700 more people waited outside in the Texas heat to express their condolences to the grieving husband. The line wrapping around the block for half a mile, neighbors set up food and water stations for those waiting in line. One supporter flew in from San Francisco, to attend the funeral of a woman she had never met and to support a widower she had never seen. Another woman drove six hours and then waited an additional two to tell Bosco, whom she had never met, that she loved him and that he wasn't alone. El Paso resident Victor Perales said that he and his wife came to the funeral to give Bosco a hug and let him know we can be his family. There were hundreds just like them. 
More than 900 flower arrangements and 10,000 condolence messages arrived as far away as from New Zealand, Norway, and Japan. And a GoFundMe organization organized by journalist Carlos Armendariz, who took photos of Bosco at the memorial site, went viral, and they raised more than $41,000. Bosco said he had never felt so much love in his entire life. So many people put their arms around me, grieved with me, cried with me. It touched my heart. Thank you for looking like I, I did because that just, it just caught me. And so you think about, and, and this, is the, this is the hard part though. You know, the community showed up. They loved this guy. And then I read more and, and actually he died. He died two years later. You know, he had this outpouring of love and support and everything, but then he, he, got, he got lost and he started drinking. And, and I, I think that was the hardest part of it was that you see like all these people. Can you show that picture? There's people waiting in line. This was at the service. Waiting in line to, to hug him, help him, um, acknowledge the, the life of this, this sweet woman that had died. But the hard thing was that two years after the fact, though, that that didn't stay and that didn't stick, and, and he died, and he had, like, 14 people at his funeral. So you think of, like, I, I, I actually wish I hadn't read that part because that kind of, like, that didn't sit good either. But you think about how in that moment, though, his community showed up. They loved him. They showed him goodness. People that he didn't even know showed him compassion. And that is really what compassion is. Compassion is when we, we express more than just like, oh, it's you know, too bad that what happened to you, but we, we show that what is happening moves us and we extend part of ourselves to them. So I want you to be thinking about as we, um, I have an image that comes from Scott McKnight's book on what Tov means, this goodness. It means that we, we nurture empathy, which means we resist a narcissist culture. And narcissism is when it's, we're completely focused on ourselves and we can't focus on another person. Next week, Tim is going to be talking to you about what, it, what does it mean to nurture grace and resist a fear culture. But this morning, we're going to talk about empathy and compassion and how when church shows up, when, when the body of Christ embodies empathy and compassion, what does that do to each other and to our world? Empathy and compassion is this. Scott McKnight writes this, Empathy is the ability to, fear, to feel what's, when someone feels. It means to exit our own feelings and enter the experience of others. Empathy is the ability to see the world through the experience of others' pain. Faithful to the calling on his life given by the God of empathy, Jesus was faithfully compassionate to everyone he met. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to share some verses that I... I um, looked up for compassion. In Matthew 9, 36, it says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And catch this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. Um, in Mark 8, 2, it was when Jesus was um, preaching to the crowd. This was the feeding of 5,000. And it says, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. You see, you know, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he sees us. He sees what life is like for us. I think about how he knows what it's like to be us. He was fully God and fully human. And so when it says that Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion because they're harassed and helpless. You know, just think about during the week, whatever's happened to you this week, Jesus saw you. He saw if you were harassed and helpless. I know I felt like harassed and helpless a few times this week. Think about that. He sees us. He has something to do and something to help us when we are harassed and helpless. Um, when we have that empathy and compassion, we also see people the way that Jesus does. We see them as harassed and helpless, and we want to do something about that. If we're going to be a Tove church, a goodness-cultured church, that means we practice and embody empathy. And that means we will develop a culture that hears the cries of the distressed, and I put in captions, all of them. It means that we will take note of when somebody is needing something or when something is happening. Um, this week, you all did that. A few of you said, I have some prayer requests, and we're going to be praying for our, our brother Joe today. But you, you said, ask the body to pray. And so many of you chimed in and said, I'm going to pray for you, and, and you responded. And that means that you also are like Jesus. You hear the cries of the distressed. We'll also develop an empathy radar with an instinctive bias towards acts of grace, peace, mercy, and goodness for everyone. I think when churches have an empathy radar, a compassion radar, it means that we're not just so focused on ourselves that we can't see what's going on around us and see the needs of our neighbors. I know um, one, of my, one of my actually best volunteers when I worked at Linwood in our family ministry program, they came into the church because of terrible circumstances, but they ended up actually growing and flourishing in an unexpected way. See, they hadn't gone to church at all, and they had some friends who went to our church, and um, this terrible tragedy happened to them. Their son had just come back from Afghanistan. He had survived two tours of war, come back, and his son, their son was so generous. Um, he'd help anybody, and he was alongside the road of 35W, kind of near the Wyoming North Branch exit, that part of the North Metro, and he was helping a motorist that was in distress changing their tire, and he was hit and killed by a drunk driver when he was helping. And so suddenly, um, they're like, we have to, we don't know what to do, and we have to find um, a church, and they, they talked to their friends, and their friends said, you know what, I bet our pastor would do the funeral for your son. And next thing we know, the Linwood Church community is, is um, wrapping their arms around this family that just lost their, their young adult son. And all of a sudden, they're starting to come to church. They're following Christ. They're growing in their faith. And next thing I know, they are my very best children's ministry leaders ever, this husband and wife couple who came into the church because of the empathy and compassion of other people inside the church. That is how Tove Church rolls. I want to encourage you on, on some other things, too. Um, in Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. See, when we realize that that's how God sees us and his attitude towards us, we can do that to other people. In James 5.11, it says, The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. When we receive that, when we receive God's compassion and mercy to us in Christ Jesus, we are then able to extend that compassion and mercy to other people. In Isaiah 49, 15, it says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you, 
declares the Lord. Steve, I have engrained you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. You know, when, when we have God's compassion and kindness and love within us, also we start to remember and to think of other people and see them the way that God does. Hosea 2.19 says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice. In love and compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It also says, as a father has compassion as children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are a dust. I just want to encourage you to think about when we live lives as the new people of God, I told the children today, you are chosen, holy, and beloved. You have a new identity. And your new identity and new status as God's chosen people helps you now live in ways with privileged tasks of Christian witness and redemptive action. It doesn't mean, oh, we get this privilege and that's it. No, actually the privilege is for God's glory and our neighbor's good. I went to Bethel University, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm biased to Bethel. I'll just say that to you straight out. But, by, but the, the bias is really because Bethel embodies, like that, the tagline is, for God's glory and our neighbor's good. And that is what true compassion is. God's call in our response from the compassion he gives to us is for us for service and not just privilege. And our service is to be given for the good of mankind and for glorifying God. And that means that we act in compassion and love just like Jesus. I want you to imagine, just like we dressed our children, that if we as Christians, just imagine you, all of you here, every day if you got dressed, genuinely clothing yourself with Christ. Okay, I'm putting on my compassion today because I know those people I'm going to see at work that I don't have compassion for. And Lord, you can show up even if I can't. I think if the, mo- if the vast majority of people around us could see what we are wearing in the form of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, goodness, grace, all those things, just think of what our world would be like. Colossians lists the virtues that set us apart as Christ's followers, which we've read this morning, and that gives us a new status. Um, you know, one of the commentaries I read, it said, some of these may not be seen as manly or powerful virtues in the world, like courage, determination, aggressiveness, or drive, But we're not supposed to live in that way. We're supposed to push against that and live in ways that we are dressed in virtues of compassion, that we be kind to other people, we be humble, even when it's a cost to us, that we be gentle and patient, we forgive, we bear with. It means we we lift up and we forgive freely just as Jesus has forgiven us. And this is how we practice tov in a world that is totally countercultural to that. So as we think about this, um, this Tove culture, a couple of things I, I want to tell you. That I feel like this sermon series is often, um, it's either prescriptive or preventative and informative. But for, for New City, I feel like this is more um, informational and, and preventative because, to be honest, we're doing so many of these things really great already. Um, I want you to think about this. Next slide. That, that Tove's churches also notice women, children, and the marginalized differently. When we develop a Tov culture, we also name the stories of biblical women, not just men. The stories of women in the church history are known. The stories of women in the local church are known and celebrated. 
Acknowledging God's work through women and men as both agents in the redemptive story and intentionally promoting the contributions of women in the church. The fact that you have a female pastor tells me that you're doing that already well and that's already been something happening here. Um, the thing that Scott McKnight names that I didn't really even think about was he said that in, in churches um, where they have abuses of power, oftentimes the, the, um, the balance is, is not balanced at all in how women and men are seen in the church, and that more often it will be a church where um, abuses of power happen because of how women and children are treated in the church. And so, you know, I, I just caught that, and I thought, well, that's not the way that things are at New City. And so I just wanted to affirm you and say that you are doing this really well where men and women are serving God well together and, and there aren't any abuses of power here and it's been refreshing to serve here as a pastor in a culture of goodness and compassion. And I want to encourage you this morning with this. New City is doing this amazingly. And keep it up. Keep up being compassionate, loving, and generous. So here's some takeaways this morning. To be a Tove church where compassion and empathy flourish, first of all, you got to be a noticer. You actually have to be mindful. Um, I'm reading this great book on mindfulness, and Pete told me about another good one of Good Morning, I Love You. I found a good video to that one, by the way. But we have to be mindful. We have to be in the moment when we're do- going about our day, and we actually have to notice people. We can't just breeze along and be like, oh, I saw something terrible happening. I bet somebody else will do something about it. No, if God lets you see it, Take note and do something about it. Pray, reach out. When you notice, like I said, pray, reach out, and connect. Or connect someone else to it, but don't just walk by. We have to be like Jesus where in Luke 4.18, he quotes the, um, the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So think about this as we take this to ourselves. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you and me because he has anointed you and me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you and me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He's called you and me to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of God's favor. He's given that to us, and that's very empowering. So New City, that is my prayer for you, is you practice empathy and compassion that you will see, you will notice, and you will be like Jesus and do just like Jesus.